Let's prepare our hearts to listen to God's word with a brief time of silence to open ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Our first scripture reading this morning is from Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. This is found on page 1161 of the Pew Bibles. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Our second reading is from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, found on the same page. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Our third reading is from John chapter 12, verses 44 through 50, page 1044. Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day, for I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. The word of the Lord. Every year around this time, I take time set aside time just to map out uh, the sermons and the sermon schedule for the next year. And I'm going to actually be taking time to do that this week, uh, just thinking about sermons for 2018 and 
Uh, if you have particular thoughts, or ideas, or uh, inspirations, I'm always looking for that. I always like to hear what uh, people are interested in or what's on people's minds. Um, last year, at this time, when I was thinking about this year, I decided to preach the book of Hebrews during the summer. Several times since then, I've thought, Phil, what were you thinking? I say that about a lot of things, but usually I feel pretty good about the sermon schedule. I say, yeah, this is good. Um, Sermons always need to come from the Bible, from the scriptures, from the word of God, and I I try to give us a balanced diet um, so that we're getting sermons from the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we're hearing in the Old Testament, not just maybe some of the historical books, but also some writings and the prophets, and not just the major prophets, but also the minor prophets. And uh, we need to hear in the Gospels and also some letters of Paul. But then there's a lot of books in the Old Testament, or the New Testament, that weren't written by Paul, and they aren't Gospels, and we need to hear those, and Hebrews is one of those. And it's hard to ignore. I mean, it is 13 chapters uh, unlike Jude, you can ignore Jude. It's one page. <laughs> Hebrews, you can't ignore. It's there, and it's, and it's rather sizable. So I thought it was time for us to pay attention to the book of Hebrews. And I think Hebrews is a rather intimidating book. Uh, yes, thank you. It has some uh, absolutely wonderful thoughts, wonderful passages, wonderful spirituality and theology, but it can also has some very archaic things that uh, make it confusing to read, make it difficult to understand. So much of Hebrews is not our world. Um, For example, it has a lot of Old Testament in it. And let's let's just be real. A lot of us aren't that familiar with the Old Testament. And that's okay. We're getting there. But but it does have a lot of Old Testament. It has, Hebrews, the book, has 35 quotations from the Old Testament, more than any other New Testament book. And some of those quotations are not the type of quotations that you frame and put on your wall in your house because they speak to you. Some of these quotations are rather obscure, and you read them and you say, what is that about? And why would anybody even quote that? Uh, Hebrews talks a lot about angels and the Jewish priesthood, and uh, there's this whole chapter on a rather archaic old priest named Melchizedek. And then there's a lot of... uh, about what was in the old ancient temple and the sacrifices and what the priests had to do. And these things aren't familiar to us, nor are they at the forefront of what we hope to know, usually when we read the Bible. We don't really know who wrote Hebrews. Uh, We aren't totally sure who it was written to. Who were the Hebrews? Best guess is they, they were probably Jewish Christians and people who would been in Judaism and now embraced faith in Christ, but there's nothing, if you read the the book of Hebrews, there's nothing in the book that says who it is written to. The the title, Hebrews, comes from tradition, and there is nothing in the letter that tells us even where these people lived. Unlike other books of of the New Testament or letters of Paul we read, at least we know where these people are, we get a sense of the setting. It doesn't even seem to be a letter because there's no beginning like a letter. It's not addressed to anybody. Could be a sermon that was given to people. 
And because of this, Hebrews had a hard time making it into the New Testament. Uh, Various early church Christian writers speak of the debate about whether Hebrews should even be considered part of the Bible. And it wasn't until the 4th century that we find it in a list of books that came to be known as our New Testament. It's finally included. Now, I knew I was going to have to get a handle on this book. So I spent my two weeks of study leave this year. Some of you know I just recently was up at Regent College, a great theological school at the campus of University of British Columbia uh, in Vancouver, Canada. And I took a two-week course on the book of Hebrews. Um, That's right. Your pastor traveled over the border. And I lived uh, in a hostel, which which, which was basically an old college dorm room, uh, sharing a common bathroom at the end of the hall with a, let's just say, a wide swatch of humanity, Uh, living on instant uh, microwaved oatmeal and bananas for breakfast and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch, enduring a guy in the room next to me who woke me up one night at 1 a.m. because he was yelling in Chinese at the top of his lungs in an obviously heated phone conversation. I walked a half a mile through the rain some days just to get to class to make sure I could bring you the book of Hebrews. Thank you very much. I'm here. And don't get your hopes up, okay? I think there are some key messages in here for us. So let's do it. You know, the various religions in the world, now and of all time, all speak of people's search for God. Humans have always wondered, how can we reach God? How can we relate to God or the gods? Who is there? How can we receive God's favor? What will put us right with God? And every religion, in a way, is a contraption built by people to connect with and reach the unseen God. There are forms of prayer that people have, and there are sacrifices that they do, and offerings, and and temples, and priests, and ceremonies, and they're all pieced together to uh, hopefully let people connect with God. And humans have all kinds of things that they hope will do this. Think of Hinduism with its many practices of bathings and anointings in hopes that they will see or be seen by a god or gods. Think of Buddhism with its chants and its meditations and its three, three jewels, four noble truths, eightfold path, five precepts, and four sublime states. Think of Islam with its prophet, its five pillars of confessing Allah, praying five times a day in a very rote, in a very ordered manner, the season of fasting, the season of Ramadan, which Muslims have currently been celebrating, the giving of alms, the making a pilgrimage to Mecca. Think of Mormonism with its prophet, its temples, its secret uh, ceremonies, its baptisms for the dead. Think of the Jewish practices of keeping the Sabbath, of eating only kosher food of praying at certain times of the day, of wearing maybe just certain clothes with certain fabrics. Why do people go to places like the Western Wall in Jerusalem or the uh, Kaaba in Mecca or think of Stonehenge, think of the Golden Temple of the Sikhs, 
the temple in our own Salt Lake City. They are of central importance. They captivate people. People want whoever and whatever is higher than this earthly existence. And you can find good things in most religions. There are things to pay attention to, and there are bits of pieces of truth in various religious systems. In some places, religions overlap, and in some places, they're very different, very distinct. But the Christian claim and the book of Hebrews gives rise to this, that God has broken through all of that through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And that is why I'm calling this series of sermons on Hebrews, Breaking Through. Jesus Christ has broken through to bring a better revelation from God, better than angels, better than even Moses. Jesus Christ is a better priest and has broken through to represent us before God because he is directly in the presence of God. He brings us into a better relationship, making a new covenant, a new way of relating to God that is through grace. And he's a better sacrifice, giving his life on the cross to pay for the price of our rebellion and sin, ending the need for any other sacrifices. He is better than a temple as he is the embodiment of God. The big thought, the big thought of Hebrews is how Jesus Christ has broken through every other religious system, including sometimes our own that we create, every system one can imagine, and he has removed the barriers and he has opened the doors to God's presence for us. Jesus reveals who God is supremely and fully, and he alone enables people to enter into relationship with God and enjoy and know his presence. Hebrews begins like this. In the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God spoke. I mean, think about that. Think about that claim that God, who has seemed hidden and mysterious and maybe far off... uh, Some people have believed that God exists, but he's in no way involved with this world. But the Bible says God spoke. He is the God who communicates. He spoke through prophets. And the Old Testament prophets like Isaiah and Micah and Amos and all the others uh, grasped and expressed a fragment of the truth of God, but had not grasped the whole sphere of truth. Their speaking was preparation for a better and a more full revelation that was to come. But with Jesus, we didn't get a fragment of the truth. He is the whole truth of God. In him, God displayed not some part of himself, but all of himself. And God has now spoken conclusively through his son. And this son is, we're told, the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's being. Now, we cannot look directly at the sun, S-U-N, the sun that is up in the sky. We cannot look directly at that great ball of fire. If the power is too much for us, we'd be blinded. But we do see the rays that travel down from the sun. Uh, Do you know it takes 8 minutes and 20 seconds for the rays from the sun to reach us? And 
That ray from the sun that comes to us when you're sitting outside and you're feeling the warmth and you're in the sun, that ray from the sun is made of the same stuff as where it came from, okay? It's not different from the sun. It came from the sun. And if we could test the substance of just that ray that comes down to us, that that light, we will learn a lot about the nature of the sun in the sky because the rays of the sun and that ball of fire that we call the sun are in unity. They are distinct, but they are also of the same stuff. When you say, I'm feeling the sun, you are feeling the sun, even though it's rays that are coming to you. So the Son of God has come and radiated God for all. He is the same stuff as God. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. John begins his gospel with those very well-known words telling us in the beginning was the Word. Word, speech, speaking, God speaking. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And we have seen His glory. Jesus is the Word of God, the one who is from God and who shows the glory of God. It was the glory of God that surrounded the mountain on which Moses received the law and the commandments of God. It was the glory of God that filled that tabernacle that Moses would go into to meet with God. It was the glory of God that led the people of Israel through the wilderness. And there was a certain unapproachability to this glory. It kept people separate from God. But now, in Jesus, the glory of God has come near people. The distance has been cut. The unapproachable presence can be approached. Think if God remained totally silent. Think if God didn't say anything. How desperate humankind would be. The guessing and the wondering of what God is like. Is he angry? Is he loving? Uh, Will he help us or is he distant? Is he for us? Is he against us? Do we have to do something to be accepted by him? And if so, what is it? How much is it? If God did not speak, we'd be lost. But Jesus has spoken, and he has spoken of life, and he's spoken of redeeming love. Because Jesus is is the, the son is not just a representative of God. He is not just another prophet. He is the exact representation of God's being. That word exact representation in the Bible gives us our word for character. And it actually is a word that meant, uh, that, that referred to a stamp. The stamp that would be used, let's say, to imprint an image on a coin. And it, that stamp would bring the exact representation of the image onto the coin. So, in the same way, the sun is the exact representation of God. He is the, he is the exact representation of his being, of his being. Jesus is God's very being, not a copy or a representation or close likeness, but God's very being, and God has spoken through him. Listen again to what Jesus said. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. 
the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. That phrase, drift away, was a phrase that was used for ships that were poorly anchored in the harbor, that didn't account for the winds, that didn't account for the current or the waves. And later in Hebrews, Jesus will be referred to as the anchor of our souls. Few people turn, back on, turn their backs on God in a moment. It is often kind of the little by little, day by day, experience by experience, things that move someone farther away from him. Paying attention to what God has spoken, his living word, Jesus Christ, will anchor us from a shipwrecked life. Consider the things Jesus said. Consider the things he claimed. God speaking through his son. He claimed he and the Father are one. He claimed to have the authority to forgive sins. He claimed to have a kingdom. What other prophet or teacher has ever said anything like that? Jesus said he was the way and the truth and the life and that the only way to the Father was through him. Not one of the ways, but the only way. He said he saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. He said he saw it. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. That's my life for you. Prophets would come and they'd say, thus says the Lord. They'd speak in the name of the Lord. Jesus never said that. When he came, he said, truly, I say to you, as if he was the Lord. And Jesus would take things from the Old Testament. And he would say, well, you've heard this said, but I say to you, as if he had authority over those very words themselves. God used to speak through prophets, but now he has spoken through his son. I want to share insights of three great minds of the church uh, that is in line with this. I want to uh, first share some words from the late pastor, Bible teacher John Stott, who said of Jesus Christ that to know him was to know God. To see him was to see God. To believe in him was to believe in God. To receive him was to receive God. To hate him was to hate God. To honor him was to honor God. Exact representation. C.S. Lewis wrote about the things Jesus said. The things he says are very different from what any other teacher has said. Others say, this is the truth about the universe. This is the way you ought to go. But Jesus says, I am the truth and the way and the life. He says, no one can reach absolute reality except through me. Try to retain your own life and you will inevitably ruin it. Give yourself away and you will be saved. Jesus says, if you are ashamed of me, if when you hear this call, you turn the other way, I also will look the other way when I come again as God without disguise. If anything, whatever is keeping you from God and from me, whatever it is, throw it away. If it's your eye, pull it out. If it's your hand, cut it off. If you put yourself first, you will be last. Come to me, everyone who is carrying a heavy load. I will set that right. Your sins, all of them, are wiped out. I can do that, Jesus said. I am rebirth. I am life. Eat me. Drink me. I am your food. And finally, do not be afraid. I have overcome the whole universe. This is the issue. And then I think N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright puts God coming into this world and Jesus and speaking to us in perspective. 
How can you live with the terrifying thought that the hurricane has become human? That fire has become flesh. That life itself became life and walked in our midst. Christianity either means that or it means nothing. It is either the most devastating disclosure of the deepest reality of the world or it is a sham, a nonsense, a bit of deceitful play-acting. Most of us, unable to cope with saying either of those things, condemn ourselves to live in the shallow world in between. There is no in-between for the disciple, for the worshiper of Jesus Christ. God spoke. And he has spoken through his very son, Jesus. Therefore, we are to pay more careful attention to what has been said. And it's unpopular in these postmodern times to say this, but Christianity says Jesus Christ is the supreme and decisive truth of God. Salvation is in him and in no other name but him. And the question isn't so much, what are you and I going to make of Jesus as if we have power over him? The question is, what is he going to make of us? If such a great salvation has come near, how do we respond? That is what the eyewitnesses to Jesus, those apostles and disciples, and those who wrote about him and gave his life for him, that's what they gave us. That's what they put before us. God has broken through so many religious contraptions, wonderings, and anxieties to speak to us in his son, Jesus Christ. That is what Hebrew speaks to. That is what it helps us see. I'm glad God has broken through because he wants to be known and he wants us to know him. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for not remaining silent. Thank you for the better, clearer voice of Jesus. We hear his words, we see his life, We find you. Lead us more deeply into a confident relationship with you because Jesus is our confidence. Help us to listen to him, take him, receive him, possess him, and love him.